Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S. And visit bellator.com watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Doombay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. What does it take to be an entrepreneur, and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Property Podcast, and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business, and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the Future of Entrepreneurship, a PropG Pod special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the PropG Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. everybody it is thursday november 17th 2022 and it is indeed a heck of a morning live on the mma fighting twitter spaces you can hear the show in its entirety shortly thereafter on the mma fighting podcasting network i am mike heck hope everyone's having a great week here in south carolina we've been pretty spoiled with the weather i'm actually wearing Long sleeves, a sweatshirt. I'm wearing jeans for the first time in several months. It's a little chilly down here. Sent the kid to school in a winter hat and mittens. This is just not what I have been used to. But to say that it's happening past the midway point of November and it was the first time I have to wear this in seven or eight months... I'm not going to complain too much. Went for a run this morning. It was cold. Wasn't pretty to look at when it was over, but them's the breaks. But we are here to talk mixed martial arts and not about the weather in South Carolina. We could talk about the fallout of UFC 281. We could talk about whatever you want. Bellator 288 coming up tomorrow. We got UFC Vegas 65 coming up on Saturday. The pay-per-view price for the PFL pay-per-view has been announced. Well, well, I'm sure you guys will ask me about that. And if not, I will tag myself in because I have many thoughts about that. And I have many thoughts about other things. So let's get into this thing and turn it over to you guys. And we'll start with Double A. Who's just, he's just quick. He's just quick on the uh, the old Twitter thumbs. He gets right in there first, and he will start us off once again. Hello, sir. How you doing, brother? I'm good. How are you? I'm all right. I'm all right. I just done two quick ones. Um, um, ha- ha- do you think that Derek Lewis could make another run for the titles if he starts with um getting a win on um this um this weekend? And um Jack Della, the fellow Aussie, who would you like to see him fight next if he gets a a win this weekend? 
have a heck of a morning, everyone. Everyone, you too, Mike. You're awesome. Peace. Thanks, man. Um, Derek Lewis, will he have a title run? I don't know. I don't know. I I, I wouldn't rule it out. He's going to have to do a lot of work, but he's a very popular fighter, and he's a draw. And if you can throw him, if there's some sort of late-notice situation, he wins a couple of fights and we need to, to fill a spot and get him in there, Derek ain't going to say no. He did it with Daniel Cormier at MSG a month after getting a win, and that fight did not go well for him, but he still said yes. The Sierra Gan fight was another weird one. Still said yes. But Derek Lewis is just the kind of guy. I mean, there's there's a very short list of fighters who don't need title implications, and he's probably one of them. People just want to watch him fight. They don't really care who he fights. They just want to watch him fight. So maybe I'm not confident that he does. I do think he'll beat Sergey Spivak. It's just a weird matchup. I, I think he'll win that one, but going on a serious title run at this point in his career. Don't really see that happening, but again, he doesn't really need it. And as far as Jack Della goes, fighting Danny Roberts, biggest favorite on the card on Saturday. I'd like to see him get a step up at competition. Top 20-ish, 25 guy. But the plan is you want to turn him around for that Perth card. You want to get him on there in February. I know that... The arena and I believe the UFC as well, they're promoting essentially that he's going to compete on that card. I know at the press conference yesterday, both Volkanovsky and Whitaker were asked about Jack and he's kind of being advertised for the card. So I don't think it really matters. I think you just get him on the card and you get him a win and you let the fans go bananas for him and it gets him over a little more. So can't really go wrong, honestly. I think you just got to put him in a spot where he has, he faces somebody with somewhat of a name, but a winnable fight, let him style and, and do his thing. But the guy's, he's real good. And I'm sure he's going to have one hell of a performance on Saturday. I expect him to go out there and probably finish Danny Roberts. Danny's a tough dude, but if Francisco Trinaldo can have striking success and sting, Danny Roberts, Jack Della Maddalena will be a guy who will certainly do more damage. Uh, I expect him to have a typical JDM performance on Saturday. And then just get him, whoever wants to say yes, just throw him on there, let him do his thing, get him over. And then, then we'll boost him up after that. Let's go to Tristan. Hello, Tristan. Can you hear me? Yeah. Um, I want to... I'm looking at the UFC Fight Night pit, uh, UFC uh, Vegas 65, I believe, and there's three interesting uh, three uh, observations I'm seeing here on this card. That's very interesting here. So the fighters that I'm really like, everybody knows about Jack Dellen, uh, JDM. We you know we know how good he is, um, upcoming prospect. But the ones, the one I'm looking at, obviously. So I'm looking at the Jennifer Maya versus Marina Moraz fight now. Again, we know AK's in here. Of course, he's very high morass. I've watched the last fight. I thought she was impressive. And she was fighting very emotional in the last fight because of what's happening in Ukraine. So I just, 
I just want your thoughts on that fight. Because Miranda Mraz, you know, I, I, could, I, I, I could see it coming. If Miranda Mraz gets a finish of Maya, AK is going to be the first one to be like, I told you, I told you. This girl's no joke. I told you, I told you. I know I'm going to hear it. So just your overall thoughts on Miranda Mraz of what happens if she does get a great finish over Jennifer Meyer. Because I was listening also to um, no, uh, the show No Bets Barred with um, Jed Mishu and Connor Burks. And, like, they were looking at the odds, and, like, they, you know, Jed was kind of surprised that Mraz was favorite in this fight against Jennifer Maya because of the competition Maya has faced. She's only lost to the best of the best. So he picked Jennifer Maya to win this fight against um, Marina Mraz by, uh, by decision. So, but, you know, of course, again, AK comes into my head of, like, saying how Mraz, how good she is. So, I just want your thoughts on maybe her chances of what she could do here against Jennifer Meyer and then where, where that could lead her to if she gets a spectacular finish like she did in the last fight. Um, also, too, I want to look at also um, Teresa Blida, uh, who's fighting Natalia Silva. That is a that is a very interesting fight because we saw – I know you watched – I think you watched her, too, on the Contender Series. She's 6-0, only 20 years old. She's very aggressive, and she has a, a great skill set. She knows how to strike as well as grapple. So I think she's an interesting prospect looking at her, especially in that flyweight division at 125. I mean, I don't know. Flyweight division, they're getting an influx of great prospects coming into that division. So I just want your take on her because Natalia Simmons is a good fighter too. So, not, not, you know, again – I went back to watch her fights in the uh, other organization she was. She was actually champion in that, and she was getting finishes. I mean, she almost she almost finished her opponent in the contender series with that knee to the belly, and then almost like ground the pound and ended the fight. But the bell rung at that time. So, just your thoughts on on her, as well as um, Marina Mraz, and. Um, did I, did I miss somebody that was looking on this card as well? We already know, again, we already know what JDM, what he can do, where, where he could go. So, yeah, Mike, just your thoughts on that. Have a heck of a morning. Thanks, man. So, looks like AK wants to respond, and I'll let him in a moment. I'm kind of with Jed on that. Uh, I haven't listened to all of No Bets Barred yet, but I, I'm kind of with Jed. I, I'm stunned that. Not that Marina's the favorite, but she's almost a two-to-one favorite against Jennifer Maya. It just seems like a pretty wide margin, considering who Jennifer has lost to. I think if, the, if a finish is to be had in this fight, it's probably coming from Marina Morose and not Jennifer Maya. But, I mean, if you're – again, and I make this comparison all the time. If someone's like, here's 20 bucks, you have to bet on one of these fighters, I'm betting on Jennifer Maya because I think this is a closer fight. I'm, I don't have an issue with Morose being the favorite. I just feel like it's too wide of a margin against somebody who, and let's be clear, she lost to Manon Fioro, but that was a pretty competitive fight. She had Manon on, on her heels a few different times, and I feel like Manon's a better fighter than Marina. So, yeah, I, I, I'm stunned that this line, I, I think there's a ton of value on Jennifer Maya. As far as Teresa Bleda goes, here's the thing about her. She has fought really good competition. She hasn't beaten, like, if you go and look at her topology page, she's not fighting, like, one in 14 fighters on the way up. She's fighting some pretty solid hands. I believe Lucy Pudilova is on that list. 
And the thing that's interesting about her as a prospect is not only is she 20, she's huge for the division. She's like 5'9". She has a 71 or 72-inch reach. Like She's a big fighter for this division. And how about Natalia Silva? Back-to-back fights against really tall, lanky, rangy fighters who are just bigger than most fighters in this division. So not only did she get it with Jason Jazdavizia, she's getting it with Teresa Blade as well. It's an interesting fight. I, I think Blade is live as a plus 140 dog. I think Silva is a fun, exciting fighter. But again, you're talking about someone who's very athletic, very tall and rangy for this division. She's hasn't learned how to lose because she hasn't lost in her entire fighting career. I believe she's like a 10 and 0 as an AMI fighter. And now she's undefeated as a, as a 20 year old pro making her UFC debut should be a great way to start this card. This card is not great. I'm, I'm not here to mince words with you. It's not a great card, especially coming off the of 281. I think the hangover is going to be super duper real on this one, but there are some, some interesting matchups and that would be one of them. But yeah, I think there's, some liveness to Teresa Bleda as a plus 140 dog to, to kick off this card. She's someone to watch at 20 years old. So I'm with you on that. I mean, you can't, you can't talk about my best friend who's here without a response. Hello. Oh, hi, Mike. No, uh, hi, Mike. Hello, Tristan. As a, uh, I'm not, this, I, I, sorry. I just, yes, I had to respond to uh, uh, Tristan's uh, comments. A, f- a fine call as always. Uh, I'm not like this, huge marina morose fan i don't know why this got perceived this way like, i think she's good i think she's i think this it came up in the discussion with uh, aaron blanchfield like last year probably just people going like aaron blanchfield should be ranked higher than so and so and so and so and i think like marina morose was was the name i brought up i was like like why should she be ranked higher than marina morose who's like you know just more one more ufc fights more experience like just saying i want to see more from aaron blanchfield first before like anointing her and i think somehow this became like, like, oh, I think Marina Rose is so good. Is like a future champion. Is like better than Aaron Blanchfield. Like, n- none of that. I'm not. I wasn't saying any of that. Um, and certainly, I mean, now my opinion of Aaron Blanchfield is even higher than it was. And I was very high on Aaron Blanchfield, but I'm um, after the Molly McCann fight, just absolutely amazing. Um, so yeah, I, 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 I am also surprised that Marina Morose is a two to one favorite. You said, Mike, over uh, Jennifer Maya. Minus one ninety. Yeah, that's pretty right disrespectful. Now. Um, I, I get it. Maya's not like the most exciting fighter, but she's so solid and like so. I'm I'm amazed the odds. I wonder if the odds get closer, uh, come fight time. But that that does surprise me. So anyway, yeah, I just want to clear up the Marina Morose. I, I think she's great. I, I I'm not anointing her a future champion or anything, but I, I'm not a Marina Morose stan. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. I just I you know me, Mike. I just I I when my words are misconstrued, I just get you know I it flares up. You start the 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 the, the, the you see the cracks in the Prince of Positivity, but uh, I know I know Tristan doesn't mean anything by it. So uh, no, I mean if Moros wins, I won't. I'll be, it's like good for her. I won't be like tweeting or DMing people like, oh, I told you about Marina. No, it's Marina Rose been around for a while. It's not like <laughs> I, I I take no no fandom of Marina Rose as as and, and and I won't take any pride if she I don't know again destroys Jennifer Miles. Like, oh cool, good job, Marina Rose won. It's great. Um, so yeah, I don't. I don't think I've ever. I think maybe with Charles Oliveira, Mike is maybe the only time I've kind of like crowed over like, oh, he beat you know Poirier, he beat uh, Gaethje, but that's about it. Other than that, I've never really been like, I don't know. I don't, Mike, I'm not a take guy. You know that. I don't make takes and then and then brag about them. It's not how it's not how I live my life. 
Uh, and just to leave you with a question, Mike, man, uh, how about that uh, 49.99 PFL uh, pay-per-view price? Go ahead, Mike. I'll hang up. You can uh, you can take away from me. Oh man, he's he's doing it. He's doing it now. All right. So just to, just to go through the UFC run of Jennifer Maya, she has five losses in the UFC, but they are to Liz Carmouche in 2018. Two of those losses to Caitlin Chukagian. One to Manon Fioro and one to Valentina Shevchenko. She's beaten Jessica I. She's beaten Joanne Wood. She beat Roxanne Modafari. She beat Alexis Davis. She's losing to the very best in this division. So that, to me, is why I feel like this line is a little off. Now, Marina Morose could certainly go in there and, and do the damn thing, but I think there's a ton of value on, on Jennifer Mai in this situation. But who knows? Maybe it's Marina's time. We'll see what happens. And AK... AK is the prince of positivity. He's always, and he's also the prince of cautious optimism when it comes to prospects, such as Aaron Blanchfield. You know, because of the youth and stuff, you, you don't. It's almost like AK doesn't want to see them thrown it, thrown into the deepest of waters too soon. Wants to allow them to swim a little bit, do some triple indies, shine in that way, and then as they get closer to that, their athletic prime, then we get a little more excited. Now, the PFL. Jesus Christ. What the hell are they doing? So if you missed it, they revealed the pay-per-view price for the championship event, which is next Friday, the day after Thanksgiving. It's a seven-fight main card. Starts at 8 p.m. Eastern in New York. Six title fights, so a potential for six five-round fights. Kayla Harrison, Larissa Pacheco, three, is the main event. And we've been wondering. We've been talking about it on the show. People have been asking, what do you think the price tag is going to be? Some people are saying, oh, it should be $9.99. Some people are saying, oh, it should be this. And I knew $9.99 would not be the price. I knew we'd be looking higher than that. My guess would have been $24.99. $29.99 was probably the max. And even then, I thought it was... A big, big stretch. But then they reveal it's $49.99. Plus the taxes and fees that are going to be attached to this. We're looking at like a $57 pay-per-view. What are you thinking, PFL? What in God's name are you thinking? No one's paying $50 for this. No one. I'll pay $50 if I have to cover it but only because I know I'm going to get reimbursed for it. I'm telling you right now, if I had the day off, I would not be watching this. And I know it's my job, but if I had the day off, I'd be doing anything else. 50 friggin' dollars for this card? Come on, man. You, this is a travesty. And to quote Luke Thomas yesterday on Morning Combat, this thing is going to fucking tank, man. It is going to tank. This thing is going to do, I mean, I thought like when it could have been $24.99 or $29.99, I thought like, I didn't even know what the goal was here. Was it 20,000 buys? Was it 30,000 buys? Like, it can't be any more than that at like that price point. But now you're dropping a $50 price tag on us. I don't know what this thing's going to do. 10,000? Like, I don't know. That might be a stretch. $50 for this thing? 
We've been getting it for nothing. We've been getting it as part of like the whole package, part of our cable service. We're essentially, we're paying for other stuff and then we got this in addition to. Like we don't get ESPN Plus for the PFL. We get it for the UFC. And we just happen to get PFL prelims on top of that. We don't buy cable for the PFL. We just happen to get the PFL main cards on ESPN2 wherever it's airing because we already have friggin' cable. And now you're going to slap on a $50 price tag for a pay-per-view that has the potential to last 11 hours? Are you shitting me with this? This is terrible. This is terrible. Now, I made a, now I made a prediction, and I'm kind of standing by it, but after seeing this price tag, I don't feel as confident as I once did. My prediction was they're going to release some kind of a price tag, and then like three days before the event, Don Davis or whoever is running the spokesmanship for the PFL is going to come out and be like, you know what? You guys are the best fans in the world. We love you. We're not going to make you pay this amount of money. We're going to give it to you for free. Or we're going to give it to you for like $10. Or we're going to do that. And I still feel like with the backlash of all of this, they might still do that. And I think they probably have to do it. But here's the thing. If you are anywhere near New York City, if you're anywhere near Madison Square Garden or the Hulu Theater or wherever, if you're anywhere near there and you want to watch this card, why the hell would you get it on pay-per-view? You can just go to the damn card for like $5 more. What? Just do that. Why would you – like if you're anywhere near that vicinity, if you're within an hour drive of the Hulu Theater, why would you ever – Spend fifty plus dollars on this card when you can just go to it for like another seven or eight bucks. This is dumb. Like this is bad. Like if Josh Thompson worked for PFL, he couldn't even justify this one. Like he couldn't even do it. If Bellator put out Bellator two eighty eight for fifty dollars, he can't even judge. Like he couldn't even defend this. This is this is just promotional malpractice. This is bad. Like, this is really, really bad. I, I just, I don't know how many things, I don't know how many buys this thing does. I honestly don't know. Like, we're not getting Harrison Cyborg here, and even then $50 to me is a little too much. Especially since you've been giving us the product for nothing. $50? $50. I, I, I was stunned to see this. Stunned. I can't, I, I, I'm so fascinated by how many buys this is going to do. I don't think it does 10,000. I don't think it does. I'd be shocked if it does 10,000 buys. And I'm not advocating for streaming or anything like that, but I have a feeling that we're going to have a lot of streaming <laughs> next Friday because $50 is out. It's just egregious. It's so bad. Oh, what, what are you thinking? the hell are you thinking and you know what you don't have to you don't have to pay fifty dollars because we will cover it from start to finish next friday mafighting.com we'll let you know what's happening don't worry about it save your money if you want we got you we got you but i hope the pfl does what i predict they will do and just be like listen you're the best fans in the world we're either going to knock this thing down like 95% or we're just going to give it to you for nothing because this is bad. 
I can't believe it's 50 bucks. The Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S., and visit bellator.com slash watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Bay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. What does it take to be an entrepreneur, and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast, and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business, and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the Future of Entrepreneurship, a Prop G Pod special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah, yeah, hello. What's up, Big Mike? How you doing, bro? Good, good. Um, yes, yeah, so I just wanted to uh, give some brief insight. Um, I, I really want. I think the there should be a rematch between Izzy and Alex, uh, just because you know I think we should definitely pay homage to the longevity that Izzy's been champion since 2019, and he's had five title defenses. And just thinking the magnitude of what that rematch could be, especially if it's in Lagos, Nigeria. So if all that aligns, it, I think it will just be so explosive. Um, also, for I uh, just wanted to hear your thoughts on Ryan Spann and like what do you, what you think his climb up the light heavyweight division will be just after his performance in 281. Have a good one, man. Thanks, man. So, yeah, this has been a big talking point. Do we run this one right back? And to me, if we can get both guys back, I think they will do that. It just, it's, I think Izzy's kind of the wild card here. Um, is he going to, is he going to want to take an extended amount of time off from this loss? If so, what do we do with Pereira? Does he want to fight somebody else? Now, I know a lot of people are saying this opens up the doors. We do have Robert Whitaker fighting Paul Costa, but that's three months away. So it's not like Whitaker's going to fight Costa and then bounce back two months later and fight for the belt. I, Whitaker's not typically like that. He likes to kind of space out his fights a little bit. So it all depends. Like Izzy's, Izzy's the guy here. It's all on him. If he wants to come back, if he thinks he's ready for July – I'd be stunned if the UFC isn't already looking at this as the, the International Fight Week main event. The fight is gigantic. It's huge. And I understand the argument against it because we're seeing a lot of the immediate rematches. We're seeing it next month with Yuri and Glover. We're going to see it early next year with Leon and Kamara Usman. And then this is another one. But here's the thing. It's not like Pereira just killed Adesanya in the first round. And we're like, all right, we, we don't need to see a rematch. It's the same with the other two. All of those examples, the champion was winning the fight heading into the fifth round. All they had to do was survive the fifth, 
and they retain the title. And then we get a crazy finish. Leon's finish, Pereira's finish, Yuri freaking submitting Glover Teixeira in the fifth round. I mean, all three of those champions were winning heading into the final round. And we didn't get a ton of answers to a lot of the questions we had in this fight or any of the other ones. We saw the betting lines for the rematch. Izzy's favored. I'm not surprised by that. And plus, I just want to see if Izzy can beat. Like, I don't know. My question is, I, I talked to John Anik about this. That interview just went live on MMAfighting.com, went live on our YouTube channel. So you can check that out if you want. I don't know if, I don't know if Alex Pereira is the best middleweight in the world. I don't know if he's like the eighth best middleweight in the world. And I don't know if he just has his number. Like, I don't know if he just has this man's number or if he's this good. And Pereira winning the belt makes this division so interesting right now because we have more questions than we even had heading into the actual fight with Adesanya. And I love it. I love it. This division is going to be really fun heading into 2023 because of all the different options. Like, how will Pereira match up against Robert Whitaker? How would he match up against Apollo Costa? How would he match up against a Marvin Vittori if Vittori can get back on track? Maybe they go with the Hamzat fight. I don't know because Hamzat was pretty excited to, to see that. How does he match up against those guys? What happens in this fight with Izzy? Like, I, 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 this is the most interesting middleweight has been in a long, long time. But yeah, if, if Izzy is ready to run this thing back sooner rather than later, then of course you go back to the rematch. But if he's like, eh, I'm going to take a year off from all this and Pereira wants to fight somebody else, I'm cool with that too. And then you could just run it back no matter what. You could, and Izzy's already said, he plans on fighting Pereira two more times whether a title is on the line or not. So we got time. It's a back pocket fight, but it's a fight that you, you get a strike. You get a strike with as soon as you can do it. It's just a weird year. Just a weird year from all these come, with all these come from behind wins. Let's go to Viking and then we'll go to Toke next. Viking, Hello. Viking. Hey, how are you, brother? Good, how are you? I'm good. So, my question is about Henry Saudo. So, Henry Saudo wants to fight in Australia, and he's been chirping about it on Twitter. So, will Henry Saudo fight under the co-main event if, if they book him for the Perth card? And... Please, everyone, pray for my cat. He's in trouble. Thank you, Mike. Me? I'm in trouble? My cat is in trouble. So pray for him, everyone. Oh, your cat is in trouble. Yeah, I'll play for him. Who are you saying, though? Which fighter for the Perth card? Will Henry Saudo fight under the co-main event if they book him for the Perth card? Against anybody. You, you broke up... Which, which fighter? Henry Saudo. Oh, Saudo. Okay. Okay. You were breaking up. I couldn't hear you. All right. Thanks, Viking. Yes. Prayers. Do you want me prayers to? Prayers to your. Oh, no. I got you. I got you. I'm sorry. 
Uh, prayers to your cat. I, I just, you were breaking up. I, I heard. Now I got you. I heard you say Henry Cejudo the last time. Um, will he be the co-main event? No, because they have a co-main event. They have a title fight. They have a title fight. Them putting. I'm a little troubled. I mean, I, I'm not. I'm not upset about the interim featherweight title fight. They should have done this. I'm cool with it. I just hate that it's on this card. I don't, I, I just, it doesn't make any sense. Volk's the champion. And he's fighting for the lightweight title, but then you get to do the interim featherweight title fight on this card. I, I just, I don't really get it. I don't really get it. But here we are. But if they book Zahud on this card, no, he will not be the co-main event because they have a title fight. So I don't think Cejudo is certainly not going to jump over a title fight, no matter who he fights. Uh, so I would say Cejudo probably not fighting on this card. I could be wrong. But no, I, I would be stunned if that happened. And, and it looks like Aljo is not even looking at Henry Cejudo at this point. He's looking at Sean O'Malley. So I don't know. I don't know. I don't think Cejudo Cheeto or Cejudo O'Malley makes a, a lot of sense for that card anyways. Um, yeah, I would be stunned if Cejudo fights in Perth at this point. But, and now even Aljo's starting to see that he's starting to get it. Cejudo's not the, Cejudo's not the biggest fight he can have right now. It's, it's O'Malley. It's, it's O'Malley. So we'll see what happens. But no, I, I'd, be, I'd be shocked if Cejudo's on this card. Tokolo. Hey, so I know Alex, he, he talked about it, but I, the second I saw the price point for the PFL, I just started, I bursted out laughing the other day. And my girlfriend looked at me weird, like, what, what are you talking about? It's like... I can't wait for wait for a heck of a morning on Thursday. Um, <laughs> it was so hilarious that they've done fifty dollars. I mean, it's horrible because it's probably a part of of Kayla's contract in some way because she's she's tied to this pay per view super fight model or whatever. I know she can still she's still gonna win the million bucks, but some some of the other money on top of that is probably tied to pay-per-views since they, yeah, since they actually announced that pay, uh, PFL pay-per-view thing. So it was just hilarious. I, I think it's so funny how, how much you can fuck this up. Uh, personally, I'm going to watch it for free here in Denmark because, you know, it's part of my package, uh, the PFL thing as well. So I guess I can watch it. Um, I don't know. It, it's it just seems insane that you have to pay forty nine ninety nine to watch that many hours of of uh, of PFL. The actual thing I wanted to talk about though is um, just to on a serious note, doesn't Sergey Spivak seem like the exact guy Derek Lewis normally beats? You know, like Chris Dock is coming up, like you know these fighters that that have a, a, like, not a meteoric rise, but these kinds of guys that are somewhat 
athletic but not super athletic like Sergei Pavlovich. And then just, you know, they're good, but they're not great. This seems like the perfect matchup for like Derek Lewis to get back on track. And you're getting him at underdog odds again. It seems like this is the exact matchup where you want to actually cash in on Derek Lewis being Derek Lewis because Sergei Spivak is not a finisher and he's not, he's not really a top of the division guy. I don't think he's going to be that. I don't see him having the skill set. So this just seems like the perfect spot to say, Hey, I found $10 on the street. Let's make it into, you know, $26 instead. Uh, but that's all Mike just laughing about the PFL and then, uh, and then Derek Lewis. Thanks man. Yeah. God, PFL, what are you doing? We talk about this all the time. Like every time Bellator takes a step back, you think the PFL is just going to break the door down. They go in reverse. It's like they put the car, they mean to put the car in park and they slam on the gas, but then they go two miles backwards. And that's what they've done here. It's crazy. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I, I, I'm, I think Derek Lewis will win. I think Spivak can take him down, but Derek Lewis isn't the most technical guy in terms of getting back to his feet. He's not a great defender of takedowns, but he's really good at just muscling his way back up. And I do really think in this fight, he just needs to land a big shot and he'll win. So you're getting Derek at plus 165 money line. But Derek Lewis, you're getting plus money by knockout. You're getting a plus 200 line by knockout. So, yeah, if you get that $10 on the side of the road, don't even take the plus 165. Just take the 35 extra points and go for Derek Lewis by KO because that's how he's going to win this fight. He's not going to win a decision. This fight ain't going to do a decision. Yeah, I think this is a – Derek Lewis hasn't lost at the, the world's most famous – empty arena, the UFC apex. So yeah, I think Derek will, will probably knock out Sergey Spivak sometime in the second round. And I'm sure we'll get a, get a fun promo afterwards. Let's go to Abzwalia. Jordan, you're on deck. Hi, what's up, man? How you doing? You? All right. So, um, I just have two, three quick questions. Um, First of all, you were talking earlier about the Alex Pereira fight. I'm quite interested to see, um, you know, Rob actually facing rather than Izzy for a rematch. Um, although Izzy's deserving, I would like to see how that fight goes because I think it's people are underestimate, uh, underestimating Alex uh, more than, you know, um, contrary to what people believe about his fight schools. Um, another thing I want to address is. How do you see the Emmett versus Yeah Rodriguez fight playing out? And who do you think wins? Thanks, man. That's all I have. Emmett Rodriguez is an interesting fight. Um, I don't know. What is the... I'm curious to see what the betting odds are on this. I'm sure there's some sort of future odds, at least, that have dropped for that one. Uh, let me see if it's come up anywhere. I don't see it. Interesting. Nope. 
Nothing on it yet. I'd probably... I'd probably lean Emmett slightly, but just because he can wrestle if he wants to. I just don't know if he's going to. But I, I just feel like he has more ways to win. And he does have that just incredible power. But Yair just was, is going to have some reach on him. He's going to have some length on him. A little more tricks in the stand-up department than Josh has. But Josh has that equalizer. And Josh is... Josh can be really exciting because of his finishing power. But he's also a very tactical fighter. He doesn't take too many risks these days. Something tells me Yair is going to be the favorite. I don't know. I'd probably have to look at the betting lines, but I'll, I'll look a little deeper when we get closer to the fight. But I'd probably lean Josh because he's probably going to get dog odds. And I think it's a, it's close to a 50-50 fight, if we're being honest. And then as far as the middleweight division goes, look, if, if Izzy wants to sit out for for a year and Pereira's ready to go and Whitaker beats Costa, I'd love to watch that fight. I'd love to watch that fight. But we'll see. Again, ball's in Izzy's court. If he's ready to come back spring, summer of next year, if he's ready to go in July, they're going to go right to that well first. Because it's going to be gigantic. It's going to be a gigantic fight. The story is already interesting. And now you add an MMA win and a come from behind win and, and all that, the questionable stoppage in, in some people's eyes, which again, I don't have an issue with it. There's a lot to build upon, but like I said, if Izzy wants to take some time off, you could do far worse than Pereira versus Whitaker. That's for sure. And that'd be a really interesting fight. We'll go to Jordan, and then we'll go to uh, Mr. Truth and Dare. Jordan, hello. Mike, heck of a morning. I just wanted to touch on. So I know last week I got my Jets going a little bit on Pereira, moving up to light heavyweight. I think it's safe to cool that down a little bit, just seeing Izzy getting a little bit better of the grappling situations. I wanted to touch on, so we talk a lot about Glover helping Pajeda get better with grappling. What has Pajeda done for Glover striking? And then I just wanted to touch on Aaron Blanchfield. I think she needs to meet her almost higher ranked identical in Lucky Lauren Murphy and take that number four and just keep keep moving Blanchfield up. Interesting. We'll see what happens. I mean, Lauren Murphy is booked to fight Jessica Andrade in January. So we'll see how that fight plays out. And perhaps we could do that. But I'm kind of with AK here. In a lot of ways, um, I, I think Blanchfield is is clearly a top eight, top ten fighter in this division right now with that win over Molly McCann. I don't know if I'm ready to throw her in there with Lauren because I, I just I feel like Lauren's a one of the tougher matchups for her stylistically. I'm not saying Aaron can't win, but I feel from a stylistic perspective, Lauren could give her some problems. Like Lauren's a good grappler. Lauren's a dog, and I'd like to see her build up to that. Now, if Jessica Andrade just kills Lauren Murphy and you want to go that route, sure. But I, I, like, I like what Aaron's looking at as far as call-outs go. I don't love the Casey O'Neill fight. I, I'm not ready to see that just yet. I am very high on Casey O'Neill. I, like I feel like those are two very promising prospects in this division. 
And I feel like Casey's only going to get better in a lot of ways. Just the pace in that fight would be something else. But I like the Andrea Lee call out. I, I think that's I think that was perfect. Throw in there with Andrea Lee. We'll see what happens. Andrea's tough. She's a tough out. And she can strike. And she's got pretty she's she's a pretty good grappler herself. She's not, I don't think she's at the level of Aaron Blanchfield. But Andrea's a good solid grappler too. She's got some subs. She scrambles really well. I think that's a good step up for her. And then, you know, we could do Lauren. If, if she goes out there and just runs over Andrea Lee, then we could start taking some more risks there. But again, we, I mean, if Marina Morose goes out there and styles on Jennifer Maya, then we get another, we get another player up there. And that's another person you could throw up again. So yeah, Aaron, I mean, Aaron's got a bright future. She's going to fight for a belt. She's got time. And we don't even know what Valentina is up to right now. We don't know what they're going to do there. She's got time. We can get we, we can get her there, that's for sure. The Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S. And visit bellator.com watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Doombay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. Let's go to Mr. Truth and Dare. Are you there? How are you? Like, uh, my question is, uh, what's actually wrong with this UFC heavyweight man? Everybody wants to see the Francis uh, Ngannou fight, but what is going on? Um, hey, listen, your your guess is as good as mine. I think, listen, I, I, I've talked about this on the show for a while now. If everybody had their druthers, we're going to do Francis versus John Jones in March. That's what everybody seems to want. Now, there's a couple of factors that could negate that from happening. One, Francis and the UFC have not come to terms on a new deal yet. Do I think that cooler heads will prevail and they'll get something done? Yes, I, I, I think so. I have no real insight, but I'm just going with the vibes here. I feel like they'll get it done. And then the other thing is Francis, I mean, Francis suffered a, I mean, Francis come through like some pretty vigorous rehab right now. That injury is not an easy one to come back from. Will he be ready for March? That's probably the earliest he'll be ready to come back, but who knows if he'll be ready for that. And, and by the way, if Francis is only like 80% to fight John Jones in March, I don't want to see it. I don't want to see it. I want Francis at 100% for that fight. If we got to wait two months for it, I don't care. Wait two months. I'm cool with it. And if we can't get Francis on board for some reason, 
He gets stripped to the belt, and you do John versus Gone, or probably Curtis Blades would probably get that that opportunity. And who knows? It's uh, it's interesting right now. A lot of factors. John's not easy to lock down, but I feel like he's ready to come back. And it's just a matter of can the UFC and Francis come to terms and. Is his knee going to be ready for March? I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I'll ch- maybe I'll uh, I'll check in with Eric Nixick and, and try to get an update for you guys. Let's go to crypto. Crypto, hello. Yes, I can. Okay, Mike. So, so first of all, this this whole pay per view discussion, I, I think it's absolutely crazy. I think that Toke is referring to the same service that I use uh, in in Sweden, but we pay approximately. It's around $35. And then we get, uh, for that price, we get all the UFC pay-per-views. This is a fee per month. All the UFC pay-per-views, the fight nights, the PFL, Cage Warriors, KSW, everything. And it's uh, a completely legal service, <laughs> just to make that clear. And honestly, I mean, if, if I would have lived in the U.S., I would have talked to the cool kids, the cool kids that know how VPNs work, and I would have subscribed to this service because it's crazy. I mean, it's it's even, to be honest with you, and I understand that people pay 80 bucks for the UFC pay-per-views. I get that, but it's so expensive. It is just crazy. Uh, I mean, you, you have to be rich to, to follow the sport uh, if you want to uh, be able to see all the all the different shows and so on. But yeah, anyway, I, I think this is going to do really bad and I don't know how they count it. So for example, the people watching in Scandinavia that use this service, is that seen as a semi-pay-per-view buy? Because I would assume they get a cut out of these $35 that we pay per month. But I don't know how that works and I don't know how they calculate it, but I think this will do terrible. So, but to my question, Mike, um, I've been seeing all these discussions about uh, what happened between uh, Pereira and D1 Izzy, because he's officially now D1 Izzy. Um, And one thing that kind of shocks me, and and, I mean, I, I, I think the UFC or MMA in general is the only sport uh, where the referees admit that they make different calls based on what's at stake and which fighters that are inside the octagon. So I think this is the whole reason why we have these debates, because sometimes we see fighters getting knocked out and like brutally, where you could have seen maybe two, three, four punches before that, that they won't recover. And sometimes we see these quote unquote early stop, uh, yeah, stoppages. Um, and referees admit to this. I mean, there's several famous referees that have said this, that they approach fights differently depending on what's at stake and which fighters are inside the octagon. And I think this is the main issue to me because there's no other sport where a referee would make different calls based on the athlete or the team or whatever. The rules are the rules. It's like there has to be a standard. Like either you let the fight go or you don't. And I know a lot of people are not going to agree with me, but this is the reason. And this is why we end up in these these strange situations because I personally, I get both sides. I get the people, I get what Ariel is saying, for example. And 
and so on. But I also get the people saying, you know what, that was maybe kind of early because if there is a possibility for Izzy to recover, I mean, it's there's so much at stake. But, but this is this is the reason, Mike. And I, I want your thoughts on that. This this strange approach that based on what the referee thinks of the fight and the fighters. They will approach that differently. I, I don't like. Listen, Mike. The World Cup, for example. Trust me, it's not like the the referee in the World Cup, soccer World Cup, uh, that is starting off this Sunday, is going to be like. You know what? This is a low stakes kind of kind of match. So I'm going to have a different rule set. And if I'm going to be the referee in the final, I'm going to have a different rule set. No. You still judge it the same way. It doesn't matter if if more is at stake. And I understand there's health aspects in MMA and so on, but this is my big issue. And 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 I've seen judges, uh, sorry, referees, the same referee, having different approaches based on what type of fight it is. So yeah, I just want you to take on that. And uh, last but not least, uh, Mike, Moicano versus McGregor. That is the fight to make after the interview with Ariel Helwani. That was that was a great interview on the MMA Hour. Thank you, Mike. Thanks, man. Manny Moicano is one of my new favorite fighters. Love it. Stock has risen tremendously for Manny Moicano. Um, the referee thing. Look, it's you can't compare it to the World Cup or anything like that because. This is a whole different sport. These are fighters who have been in tough spots. These are fighters who have shown different kinds of body language throughout their careers. These are fighters who have proven to be tough. And yeah, when the stakes are higher, you can't judge. Like as a referee, you can't judge Israel Adesanya versus Alex Pereira the same way that you judge Natalia Silva versus Teresa Bleda. These are two you know, two different experience levels. Mark Goddard's familiar with both of these guys, mostly Adesanya. But the, the thing about the stoppage there is just, it's a body language thing. And that's why people, when people had such a problem with Derek Lewis stoppage against Sergey Pavlovich, they just saw him get up and debate it. And we all love Derek Lewis. We know how tough he is, but the dude friggin' flatlined on the mat. His face hit the mat. I don't care how okay you are, the logistics and the aesthetics of that are brutal and you have to stop it. Like I, at first I remember as it happened, I'm like, Oh, come on, man. It's Derek Lewis. He deserves better. But then you go back and watch the replays and you see him just go face down in the mat. You got to stop it. And Adesanya's body language in that moment was not good. It just, it looked like he was done. It looked like almost a Rocky four moment when Drago is just wrecking creed and Drago's just standing there measuring him for that last knockout blow. Mark Goddard's like, no, I'm not going to let you do it. Even though Izzy says it was a defensive mechanism and he was trying to get Pereira to tire himself out before he could mount a comeback. The referee, it's a judgment call. It's a judgment call. And to me, Adesanya's body language is not good. So that's why I didn't have a, a bad issue with the stoppage. Do I think Adesanya probably could have continued on in the aftermath? Yeah, probably. But he he looked like he was he was done in that moment. Now, after the fight, when they stopped it, it's the, oh, come on, man. But we've seen dudes get, like, brutally knocked down and then jump up stumbling around saying, 
oh, come on, I could have kept going. That's a terrible stoppage. When they're not okay. So, again, I don't have an issue with the stoppage. Mark Goddard's one of the best referees in the game. I don't have a problem with it. But you can't, uh, you can't compare it to other sports. It's just different. You got to be a little more... You got to be a little more on the ball and, and kudos to Mark for just making his decision and then sticking to it. No apologies, no nothing. It's about the fighter safety. That's what it's all about. And that's how and he's standing by it. That's why he's one of the best. And that's why he's going to be the referee in the main events of UFC 282 as well, between Yuri Prashka and Glover Teixeira. Him and Jason Herzog are the two best referees in the sport right now. Let's go to Eric, and then we'll go to Zeke. Eric, hello. Hey, Mike. Uh, can you hear me? Yes, sir. Awesome. Uh, so not sure if you watched uh, Dustin Poirier's interview yesterday with Ariel, but uh, just wanted to get your thoughts on if you thought, you know, Mike Chandler was intentionally cheating and if, you know, what you thought of both of their statements after, you know, the fight and the post-fight press conference. And then second part question is, is um, who do you do as who do you think Dustin's going to fight next? Who do you think Chandler's going to fight next and when? Uh, thank you, man. Yes, I, I watched, I didn't watch the entire Poirier interview, but I watched most of it. Do I think Chandler intentionally cheated? I don't even know if, like, I mean, there are some things he did that weren't great. Um, do I think he meant to, like, blow blood out of his nose onto Poirier and into his mouth and stuff? Yeah, I do. I do. And then Poirier said he bit Chandler's fingers. I mean, like I said, is that going to win fight of the year? No. Is it by far the gnarliest fight of the year? Absolutely. We might have to create a new category for the year-end awards. Gnarliest fight of the year. It's definitely Poirier Chandler. Yeah, I do, do I think Chandler did that on purpose? 100%. Do I think he'll admit it? Probably not. Maybe someday he will. But to me, I, I think he knew exactly what he was doing, and that's what helped make this the gnarliest fight of the year. As far as what's next, Poirier is interesting because... I don't think it matters. Like, I, I think he's, I think he's gotten himself into that sort of Max Holloway position where he doesn't need to fight for belts. Like I'd like, if he gets another shot, cool. Like, but then again, like the story is just, I, I just think Islam beats him. Like, and I don't think it's all that competitive of a fight really. So I don't know. I don't know what you do with Poirier. Like if he doesn't seem all that thrilled with the Benil Dariush idea. I don't know. I don't know what you do with him. Maybe just give him the next title shot. I don't know. But that would suck for Benil. I, I, I don't know what you do. Him and Fazeev would be fun. If they want to run it back with, with Gaethje, cool. Uh, but again, we're running into sort of the same issues we had with booking this Chandler fight. We know it's going to be great, but there's nothing for really the long term of the division in terms of getting fresh faces in there. 
Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what we're gonna do. But I feel like I don't but like Poirier said, he mentions the training camp with his daughter who's in school. Basically they had to have a tutor and everything. They had to go to Florida for a month, take her out of school, and he doesn't want to do that again for the rest of the year. So we may not see Poirier again until July or August. So who knows what the division's gonna look like then. As far as Chandler goes, you really can't go wrong here. Honestly, I would just do the Connor fight. If Connor's ready to come back midway point of 2023, just do him and Chandler. Like that fight's just going to rule and just let it happen. It's a fight that I think Connor can win. It's a fight Chandler can win. And I just think it's two dudes fighting at this point. Like I don't think Chandler fights his way into a title fight if he beats Connor. Like you just do it at 170. That fight is just insanely ridiculous, and it's just two exciting guys fighting each other. So I'm cool with that. If Connor's not ready to come back that soon, maybe the Sarukian is Magulov winner, something like that. I don't know. You could do Fazeev Chandler, but it's if Chandler's going to fight a vet, it's Connor. If he doesn't, if the Connor fight doesn't happen, he's got to fight one of these hungry up and comers. Chandler Moicano, something like that. Like, I'm good with that. It's got to, it can't, if it's, if Connor's the only like vet name, that makes sense. Outside of that, Chandler's just got so much value as a, as just a name and an exciting fighter that can propel other guys potentially. And that's where he is right now. He's lost. Three in a row. Or, no, I'm sorry, three out of four because of the Tony fight. I mean, he's he's out of the title picture right now. He just it, Could he get back? Sure. I mean, we saw Gaethje make his way back eventually after suffering some tough losses, but Chandler's been pretty freaking valuable for that company. I'll say that. But, yeah, if, if, if I had my druthers, if the matchmakers called me and said, what do you want to do for Chandler? It's Connor. That fight is just insanely ridiculous. Zeke, hello. Mike, what's going on? How are we? Good. How are you? Doing all right. Doing all right. I got three for you. I'm going to jump off of uh, my man who was just in here last and maybe a suggestion, but of course, what do I know? We're just on a, a luxurious heck of a morning show on this beautiful Thursday. Uh, first thing first, Dustin versus Justin maybe again. Or maybe like a Dustin Fazeev. I don't know, man. I just want to have fun with Dustin. I feel like I don't need to watch Dustin versus Khabib too. I think Islam would just ragdoll him again. I don't want to be disrespectful, but the wrestling hasn't gotten any better. Obviously, the jujitsu has. Good for you, Dustin. Who ain't got no jujitsu? That was cool. Um, moving forward, I don't know how I feel about Pereira fighting again before he fights Izzy. Of course, it's like a weird thought, but I think that fight has so much money and stakes on it. And I know Izzy already said, I'll fight him again. I don't care if he has the belt. I don't care if Whitaker has the belt. Would it be a Whitaker-Pereira fight? Or would they just say, hey, Pereira, you wait for Adesanya? What do you think Pereira does if Izzy does take this year? I know it's like a, a big question on this show today. And then lastly, very weird one. But honestly, it's an interesting one. Ian Kutalaba versus Kennedy and 
Njaquek, oh boy, Njaquekwe, before I ruin that one, Mike, please save me, throw me a lifeboat. Uh, co-main event this weekend, light, light heavyweight. What do you think? I expect it to go quickly, maybe Kennedy by knockout. Thank you for having me, Mike. Thank you, Zeke. So, I mean, again, the one thing about this division at 185 is that as champion, Adesanya fought a lot. He was a very active champion. So I don't know how much they want to veer away from that right now, especially with the division being so interesting. I feel like Adesanya, if you give him, if, they, if they're like, hey, Izzy, tough loss, man. I know you want to take some time. Do you want to headline International Fight Week against Alex Pereira? I have a hard time thinking he's going to say no to that. But if he does, we have options. If Whitaker beats Costa, Pereira-Whitaker is, is a fine fight. It's a risky fight, but it's a fine fight. And I don't think the UFC I, – I think they got something with Pereira. I think he's – I don't think he's like a superstar or anything, but I think he's got some buzz right now. And the longer he sits on the sidelines, the more that buzz fades. So if you can't get Izzy back by July, I think they will just move on. And if Pereira wins, they just do that at the end of the year. Do it, do it again at MSG. You know, if they go to Africa, you can do it there. I, don't, I mean, you have lots of options right now. You definitely have lots of options right now. With Poirier, listen, I, who's going to complain about Poirier Gaethje too? Nobody. That fight's great. But again, my issue with the Poirier-Chandler fight was the stakes were higher than they needed to be, especially for Chandler. Because I felt like if Chandler won that fight, he's jumping Benny. And maybe Poirier did too, but I feel like the results actually was the best possible outcome. Poirier goes in there. They have a friggin' battle. Poirier gets a submission win. Poirier superstar, his potential, he just jumps. Like, he's beyond the belt right now. He doesn't need a title shot, but he really wants it. Like, that's the one thing in his career that he wants. So you could do that. Fazee would be cool. At this point, I think for Poirier, like it's it's title fight or nothing, because he doesn't seem like the Dari, he does he doesn't seem like he wants to fight Benil Darius. Benil's probably going to want to fight sooner, and I don't think we're going to see Poirier till the summer. So we kind of have to wait and see what happens. And then with the was you talked about the co-main event, Kennedy Enzachukwu taking on Iwan Kuchalaba. It's yeah, I think I don't think this fight sees the cards, but we've seen Kuchalaba wrestle a lot, and I think he might do the same here. But Kennedy's just such a dog, man. He's just getting better. We've kind of grown up. He's kind of grown up in the UFC. So I, th- I think with the ranginess, his toughness, I think he can win this fight. But if Kuchalaba just wants to go out there and take him down over and over again, he's got a chance to win. But it should be fun. I don't think we're going to go to the cards. I think this car, this entire card is not great. I think Derek Lewis will get a knockout. Co-main event will be fun. Sherman, WCA, it's okay. We know Fialio and Salikov is going to be fun. Like, There's fun fights. But again, there's like, 
I mean, there's literally no stakes in this card at all. <laughs> I mean, there's none. The fight with the most stakes by far is the Jennifer Maya Marina Morose fight, but only for Marina if she goes out there and just destroys Jennifer Maya. But none of the none of the other fights have like any title implications, like nothing, like literally nothing. And we're kind of, it's just a tough spot to be in. Like it's it's just a tough card to be on coming off of two eighty one, and then. After that, we get the Thanksgiving week off, and then we're on to UFC Orlando, which is a really good card from start to finish. And then it's 282 right after that. We're at the, the home stretch. It's a tough card. Like, do I think at the end of it on the post-fight show, are we going to be like, yeah, that was fun? Sure. But on paper, w- with what's on the line, there's just not much. And I like to have a, you know, just like, my Saturday night dinner choice. I like to have some steaks, you know, give me, give me some steaks. I'll eat a Turkey sandwich. It's going to be delicious. I'll put some mustard on it. Get some good bread. Like it's going to be tasty, but if you can offer me some steaks, I'm going to eat the steaks first. That's just how I roll. But all right, we're done. Thank you very much. We'll be back again tomorrow morning. We'll do it again. Um, We'll have Bellator weigh-in results. Bellator 288 going down tomorrow night in Chicago. We get two title fights. Corey Anderson, Vadim Nemkov for the light heavyweight title and for a million bucks. Finally get the to put a bow on that Grand Prix. Usman Nurmagomedov is going to challenge Patricky Pitbull for the Bellator lightweight title. I feel like we're about to see the coronation of Usman Nurmagomedov. Bellator card should be fun. And then it's on to UFC Vegas 65. So we'll have a preview show for, for Vegas 65 as well. BTL. BTL going down 1 p.m. Eastern. It will be Jed Mishu versus Jose Youngs. Because we haven't heard really from Jose in regards to UFC 281. He was the boots on the ground all week. So I'll be excited to hear from him and get his thoughts on probably the best card of the year to this point. So... We'll see you at 1 p.m. Eastern. We'll see you back here tomorrow at 10 a.m. Eastern. We appreciate it. Have a great rest of the day. And as always, have a heck of a morning, everybody. Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S., and visit bellator.com slash watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Bay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. 
What does it take to be an entrepreneur and how is it changing in our ever evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G podcast and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the Future of Entrepreneurship, a Prop G pod special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts.